Limp Biscuit Boiler on Island 1069 WIISQS. Good morning, everyone. Gwen Filosa in with you, broadcasting live down here from downtown Key West, Duval Square. Hope everyone is safe and okay from the winds yesterday and the rains. And uh, we. We did okay, y'all, Key West. Uh, and uh, gonna go ahead and bring up my guest. I'm super excited to have him on the show. He's a veteran reporter for outlets like Marketplace, Planet Money, Chicago's WBEZ and NPR. And um, he lives in Evanston, Illinois. I'm so glad he got up early to talk to us. His podcast is An Arm and a Leg, and it deals with health care and all those various issues. Dan Weisman, Weisman how are you? I'm good, Gwen. How you doing? It's always early for me. Forgive me. <laughs> Dan Weissman. I got it's an hour it. earlier here. No, <laughs> you got up that. That's right. Is it? Good is thing. it too early? Yeah, it's a good thing I remember to take my phone off. Do not disturb. Oh, man. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dan. Now, I wanted to start with um, An Arm and a Leg, the podcast. Uh, how would you describe it to everybody? Yeah, uh, well, you know, I'm a reporter like you. I like a challenge. So my job on Arm and Lake is to take one of the most enraging, terrifying, and depressing parts of American life, the cost of healthcare, and bring out a show that's uh, entertaining, empowering, and useful. So that's a challenge. I like it. Isn't healthcare the most the hardest thing to write about and to cover? It's so vast and hard and changing and, and emotional. Yeah. Well, the emotional part is what I like because I'm kind of a sucker for that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's huge. I've, I've carved out my own piece of it, which is, you know, <laughs> the worst part, which is the cost of healthcare. I, I mean, I don't know, maybe you've had experience with this. Most of us have. When I, when I first started thinking about doing a show like this, which was partly because I had my own struggles, right? I was between jobs and I was like, boy, if I don't get, and I'm a reporter, there are, as you know, like, you know, jobs aren't really stick on the ground for people like us. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I could freelance. I know all kinds of things I could do, but I need health insurance for me and my family, and I might need another career. And I was like, I, I don't think I'm the only person with this kind of a story. I mean, I knew I wasn't. I, I talked to people as a reporter. I knew people in life. And you read it in the newspaper all the time. People have all kinds of horror stories. And I, I said to my wife, you know, I think uh, there might be a show to do here. <laughs> kind of a crazy idea. Could I have a week to to talk to some people? And she was like, yeah, okay, take a week. And well, the most surprising part was everybody that I talked to, and these were not people who were experts in healthcare. These were not people I was talking to as potential stories, like people who I knew had, had horrible stories. These were like, these are my successful friends, you know, mm-hmm. who I was like, hey, I got this crazy idea. What do you think? And they were like, oh, yeah, oh, boy. You know, my friend who... Uh, one of my friends was like, I, I'm a, I'm a state employee. I have the best insurance. I knew she had had breast cancer be report. She was like, let me tell you, you know, they just told me, yeah, we, we told you, you satisfied your deductible. Nah, here's a few thousand dollars worth of bills. And Oh yeah. Your, your hair fell out because of the chemo. Yeah. No, we don't want to re- reimburse you for the wig. Let's fight about that. I mean, it was, you know, that was her. There was the, there was the guy who was like my friend, the real estate developer, it was like, oh, yeah, did I tell you about when I had the kidney stone last year? Uh, you know, I let the, my fine, I, I avoided going to see a doctor because what were they going to do for me except take my money? And finally, my wife made me go to the ER and I somehow let them talk me into getting a CAT scan, which told me what I already knew. I had a kidney stone and it was passing. And you know what they charged me for that? $6,500. 
And mm-hmm. because his insurance was like had a $13,000 deductible, all of it came straight from him. He's a real estate developer. He negotiates with people about money for a living with people. I wouldn't touch with a 10 foot pole because they're sharks. And he was like, yeah, I can't do anything about this. And I was like, I think I might have an audience here. <laughs> it's every everyone's either been through it or knows someone or has been you know close to someone um years ago this is years ago uh, a medical practitioner told me uh, she she was like that what we don't know the value of what these services cost i mean what mm. how much does a, a mammogram or a cat scan or an mri how much does it really cost is it just inflated and made up yes Okay. <laughs> okay. Nice answer. There. <laughs> well, you know, so like one was one of the one episode we did from our second season was even because I hear from people. Once you start doing a show like this, you hear from people. And you know, this woman wrote into me, and she now does a version of kind of medical activism in a different realm. But she said uh, she she's been living with brain cancer for ten years, mm-hmm. and she had changed jobs and had new insurance and. She was like, okay, you know, and she had what had been kind of an HMO where, you know, as long as she went within the company, everything was free. And now she had a PPO, you know, what's supposed to be the best insurance, go wherever you want. Um, and she asked around, where should I be seen? Where should I get my next MRI? Because you have to get one every six months just to make sure that she's okay. And she got the name of the best hospital. She went there. She got the MRI. She got home. She got an email with their bill and they wanted 1600 bucks. And she was like, she was like 1600 bucks. You know, that's gotta be the, that's gotta be before insurance, right? Cause 1600 bucks. He's like, my husband lives in the Bay area. She's like, I really like Disneyland. And my husband and I, it, it's our, it's our yearly treat to go to Disneyland. And 1600 bucks is more than Disneyland, more than travel and hotel and everything. Right. It's their annual vacation. And you know, she someone taught her how to read the insurance name. She was like, "No, sixteen hundred bucks is your part. Mm. You want ten thousand bucks is the charge." She was like, "You know, this is horrible." And then she asked around. She she called around. She did a lot of googling, and she found a place she called MRIs are up. And she went, and so she went there next time. And uh, as I recall, you know, she went there. She got her MRI. She came out. They handed her a bag with two freshly baked chocolate chip cookies and her share of the bill, which was like $98. 98. Oh, that's 98, right? That's, that's a huge difference. And, you know, I, I asked a reporter, she's now an editor, who's been covering this for years and wrote a book about it. Oh, what was the what was the story? Her name Elizabeth Rosenthal. She's now the editor-in-chief of a book called Kaiser Health News, uh, which is not part of Kaiser Permanente, not related to them. They have kind of a name problem. But uh, she wrote a book called An American Sickness, How Healthcare Became a Big Business, Now We Can Take It Back. And I asked her, I was like, what's the story here? And she said, yeah, this is, this is all made up. You know, she had for her book, and she was a reporter at the New York Times, and interviewed all kinds of people, including CEOs of hospitals. And they were like, we, we make, and, and other reports back this up, they were like, we make these numbers up for two reasons. One, we are negotiating with insurance companies and we want them to we want them to be able to tell you that you got a great deal. Mm. Right? Sticker price was ten thousand bucks. You're only paying sixteen hundred bucks. Look how much we saved you. Right? So that's one. 
And the other is you just never know when a sultan from some other company is going to show up with a suitcase full of cash and I'll take this 10,000 bucks. Wow. Yeah. So yes, those, those prices inflated, they are made up. They're totally made up. Uh, what about the affordable, um, healthcare act, the Obamacare has, has that, hasn't that helped a lot? Um, yeah, man, you should have seen the other guy. I mean, it was, <laughs> mm. I mean, obviously, obviously, you know, people have strong opinions uh, about it that are often really closely related to political opinions. Right. But I, you know, from my perspective, as somebody who was born with a minor heart condition prior to, and you know, the way it affects my life is I got to see a doctor every year or two mm-hmm. just to get checked in on, make sure I'm okay. And, you know, knock wood, things are good. But, uh, you know, pre Obamacare, I, you know, was between jobs and I was like, well, what am I gonna do for health insurance? And the answer was like, Good luck, pal. <laughs> wow. Nobody in this state's going to touch with a 10-foot pole. There's a special risk pool you could sign up for if there's room in it, and you could pay a lot more than anybody else pays for health insurance. And by the way, if anything does happen to go wrong with your ticker, it's not covered. So, you know, that's your, that's your solution. And I was, you know, again, I'm lucky because my pre-existing condition was something that didn't actually affect my life. I just, you know, needed some insurance just in case on that score and on every other score. And, you know, again, I'm lucky. Talk to people with type 1 diabetes or anything else that actually affects your life. So, yeah, like the, you know, that's, that is obviously like the, 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 the billboard part of Obamacare is like, look, man, you can get insurance. <laughs> Did not used to be the case yeah. for lots of people. So there's, I mean... It's a, it's a big, complex law, and like anything else that you might write, there's like things you might be like, I don't know about that one. Uh, <laughs> maybe we ought to revisit it. Uh, you might have opinions about the role government should play in your life. I don't know. That's all, you know, that, that's all between you and you. But I'm like, man, I, I, I can get insurance now. I don't have to like, yeah, I don't, I don't have to pray that the job that I have that has this insurance last or that I, that I feel like staying in it. If I'm between jobs or I'm changing jobs or I go to work for myself, um, I can have it health insurance. And, and the, the podcast and, and arm and a leg available everywhere. Uh, you, you discuss, um, some, some potential solutions, things people can do, how to write a letter to an insurance company, ask for a super bill. I mean, uh, can you talk yeah. about some of these, um, recommendations? Sure. Yeah. I mean, this came up. We when I first started doing the show, I thought like, you know, I'm a public radio guy, and shows like Planet Money are the kind of thing that I like to work on, which is like, hey, let's nerd out about some big things, you know, that you hadn't thought about. And I thought like, well, healthcare is super complicated and it's really weird. Like, I can I can milk something out of that. And you know, that was it's certainly true. There's tons of material for a show like Planet Money, which explores kind of in a nerdy, lighthearted way, uh, you know, big economic questions. And there's certainly all of that in healthcare, which is, you know, a sixth of our economy. But after doing it for a little while, I was like, yo, wait, no, <laughs> we're in very deep trouble here. And, and the cavalry isn't coming, right? We're not likely to have a political solution that, you know, our Congress, any Congress in this country is going to agree on that's going to really change things dramatically. 
And even if, even if you thought in the next election it was going to be a giant wave election and your, whatever your idea of the solution is would become law, that's going to be a few years from now. It's going to take time to implement. And in the meantime, I mean, people are getting socked with bills. They can't pay all the time. You know, it's not unusual for people to have insurance. People think they have good insurance with a deductible, the amount you pay before insurance kicks in, in the thousands of dollars. And the average amount that people have in their bank account in this country is 400 bucks. Mm-hmm. So we're in, we're in deep trouble. I was like, we got to, the cavalry's not coming. We got to start focusing on self-defense. You know, what can we, what can we, like actual we, not like we as a country, but what can we do now to deal with this? So, you know, the good and the bad news is, the bad news is like, well, you know, it's limited. There's honestly, there's, there's, you know, people get hit with bills and there's, and everybody's, everybody's situation is different, right? You can get, you can get a bill that's, that looks bananas and you make a, you make, you, you call your insurance company and ask the right question. You're like, oh yeah, no, you're right. You know, we were supposed to cover that and it's done. Or you could spend six months banging your head against the wall and get nowhere. So there's a giant range of things. This, the, the thing that I'm most, excited about this year that I, that, you know, you have, uh, I mean, it's like today I learned today years old when I learned, and this was a, this was something that that was brand new to me, but how it, how it played out was so fascinating in January. People on Twitter, you know, people tag the show when they see something they think we would find interesting. And someone in January, you know, tagged us on a TikTok video where a guy was responding to a prompt. The question was like, what's something you learned that feels illegal to know? And we're looking at this, uh, you know, white guy, early 30s, hipster mustache. He's like, this is going to sound weird, but uh, most hospitals in the U.S. are nonprofits. And that means they're legally required to have what's called a charity care policy or financial assistance policy. And, you know, this is going to sound weird, but the way it means is if you make under a certain amount of money, the hospital is legally required to forgive your bill. And then in this 60 second video, he spends the rest of it showing us. He's like, you Google the hospital and use the word with the words financial assistance and you'll get this policy. They're legally required to post to the internet. And here it is. You kind of, you're, look, you're going to look for their income threshold in there. And there it is. In this case, it's like 3,700 bucks, 37,000 bucks for a single person. If you make under that amount of money, they're, they're going to forgive your bill if you know how to act. And, uh, and he's like, DM me. I, you know, I run a little nonprofit in Portland, Oregon. I, I, I'm going to help you crush these medical bills. And he got... That video was seen in the first week 10 million times. Whoa. He's been grinding his way through thousands and thousands of messages. People are like, wait, yeah, help. And he's also been getting many, many messages from people saying like, you know, I tried that. You know, I did the thing that you told me in the 60-second video, and I saved my mom from $108,000 medical bill. It went away. So, so there, there are some, some uh, recourses people can take, but it, it, it seems sad, hard. It's hard for me to accept. That you have to. The people have to work so hard to do this, and oh yeah, so many people don't I, know. Hundred yeah, percent. They just get a hundred percent. And and you know, one of the episodes that we did that I was most proud of, that was most important, was uh, I talked to an actual self defense teacher. You know, obviously, it's not because you're going to like punch the bill collector in the face, but it's like. Part of self-defense, the way this this person practices it, teaches it, 
It's about how do you keep cool in a tough moment, right? Because you make those phone calls. I mean, unless you, unless you're like a little old lady who finds herself across the desk from Mr. Incredible at the beginning of that movie where he's like, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but I mean, unless you're in that situation, you know, you're in a tough moment. You're talking to people who are often, I mean, I don't know when if you've made these phone calls for yourself and, you know, so my condolences, you know, you're often talking to somebody who's not particularly helpful. You're waiting a long time on hold. You, the phone call can go on for any length of time with no real resolution. And your best, you know, hope is to rinse and repeat and hope that something comes out different. And it's maddening. And the amount, the complexity and the unknowns are incredible, right? And, and the stakes are really high. Mm. And what you hear can be really maddening. So we, we talk with this woman who had, who, who teaches people, you know, for a living how to, you know, deal with tough situations, basically, and who had, you know, recent experience of her own chasing down a medical bill and had employed her own techniques of like, how do you, how do you keep yourself calm? How do you set boundaries? How do you, you know, cut to the chase when somebody is, because the way that she teaches self-defense, it's not just about if someone comes after you with a knife. It's also like you're dealing with like what we call microaggression at work. Mm-hmm. behavior that's invasive that's not it's not okay and so she had all kinds of uh, of terrific advice I mean, you take control of the agenda in the conversation you have techniques to ground yourself in the moment to remind yourself that you're okay um, create a little bit of space for yourself to respond so yeah it is I mean it's you know I say this every episode you know this is one of the most enraging terrifying, depressing parts of American life. And we just need all the help we can get. I sometimes say like, we're in like a Valley Forge situation. You know, it's not just the cattle, the cavalry isn't coming. Like we're really, we're, we're suffering and we have to, we have to survive. And part of surviving is huddling around the fire, keeping each other's spirits up. But to survive, you know, as, 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 you know, I'll say it spiritually, um, it's learn how to help each other. So that's, that's what we're aiming to. That's what I'm aiming to do. Um, I'm super encouraged. I hear from people all the time, and they 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 have tried things that we've talked about on the show. Work people people write in all the time saying like, "I want to help." You know, how can I how can I help? And I'm working on that. We profiled somebody early in the kind of self defense phase. What I called a medical bill ninja. She's been she's been dealing with insurance companies since she was 12 because she had type one diabetes. And her mom was like, you're getting on the phone with these people. you got to learn how to do this. You're going to do this your whole life. And boy, has she. And by the, you know, a few months later, I was like, profile the ninja. I think we should, I think we should build a dojo, <laughs> you know? Good idea. And, and not, yeah. And, and not just, you know, a dojo, my limited, I'm not, not a very experienced martial arts practitioner, but I spent a little bit of time uh, at a couple of places. And, and my impression, you know, the things that I think about with that is like, you know, you're not just like the self-defense uh, expert we talked to. You're not just going there to learn how to kick and punch and throw people. You're going there to learn to be a more effective force for peace and justice. You're going to learn to, your, your, one of your primary goals is to learn how to avoid physical violence, right? Um, and and you're, you're learning to be effective. And the other thing about a dojo is that you're there, once you're there for a little while and you advance, you learn things. Um, you take on obligations to teach and mentor other people. So that's that's our aim. And by the end of the year, I hope to have uh, figured out enough to, to have an application form for, for teachers 
So, uh, you know, keep, uh, keep in touch with us. Well, you do amazing work. You've created this community. Again, an arm and a leg is the podcast. Go to armandalegshow.com or Google arm and a leg. And uh, it's amazing stuff. The episodes are available through the website. Dan Weissman, thank you so much for getting up early and helping us uh, learn a little bit about this yeah, maddening, maddening issue. And I uh, hope you, we can talk again sometime. Me too. Thanks. Thanks. Right. And you can get the show anywhere you get podcasts, just by the way, not oh, just yeah, on our website. Yeah, go, That's great. Spotify, yeah. Apple, check it out. Arm and a leg, y'all. And uh, thanks again, Dan. Uh, take care. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Gwen. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And again, An Arm and a Leg is the podcast, available anywhere podcasts are found. And um, thank you all for tuning in today. We're not done quite yet. We've got your headlines and weather forecasts.